We're going to be talking on the tactics of Satan. And I got a couple biblical references that I'm going to read from before we get started on it. And uh, it is this it is Ephesians 6 and 11 and 2 Corinthians 2 9. You could also throw John 10 in there if you wanted to, but we'll get to that here in just a little bit. But it says here, it says in Ephesians 6 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Listen to get. Listen to this. Stand against the wiles of the devil. Second Corinthians two and nine says, "In order that no advantage be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes." Okay. So one of the things that we're being taught instantaneously by the disciples is that Satan has tactics, schemes that he operates by. Uh, He has a certain uh, manipulative ability about him. He is a masterful liar. And we're going to go over some of these tactics that he uses. Now, now I I want you to understand something. Every person in this world will get dealt with by God when it comes to being saved. The unsaved out there Those children of the devil. Because even if they know it or not, and I speak to my own experience, before I was saved, I was a child of the devil. Even though if you would have asked me if I was a child of Satan, I would have said, no, I'm no child of Satan. I'm not a devil worshiper. But in all actuality, I was totally captive to his will. What he said, I did. I was not a child of God before I was saved because you can't be a child of God before you're saved. You might be a creation of God, but you're definitely not spiritually a child of God. You are spiritually corrupt and bankrupt before you're saved. You're on your way to hell. You're unconverted. You are the natural man. You're full of sin and your account has not been paid until a person ask Christ Jesus into their heart and then the old account is settled and your sins are as cast as far from you as the as the east is from the west never to be remembered against you anymore and you are born again and that that's a whole other sermon the lack of the born again experience i think we're in a day and time where people are they they have knowledge and they want to think their way through salvation you can't do that you have to submit yourself and allow christ to come into your heart god has not changed his his tactics on saving someone so the born again experience is an absolute must and before a person can claim christianity they have to have that Now, before that happens, when a a natural person is not saved, okay, Satan knows when a person is going to get an opportunity to be saved. He knows that all people is going to get the hand of God reaching out to them at some point in time that they can be um, saved. Do not think for one minute that Satan does not use these same tactics on the unsaved Much like he uses a set of tactics to the saved. Okay? Satan does not want anyone being born again. And he has a set of tactics that he will use 
And let me tell you, when you're just the natural man before Christ is in your heart, you are just going to get mowed over by these tactics. I mean, you can't fight against Him. There is nothing in your power to overcome Him. There is no way you can overcome the devil. Listen, if he was able to get one-third of all the angels, if he was able to manipulate one-third of all the angelic creations in heaven to follow him in rebellion against God, do you think you stand a chance? There's no way. When angels were deceived, you have no chance. Because we are created lower than the angels. Alright? So the Bible teaches us that Satan has certain methods of operations. Okay? We're told, as I wrote down here, to stand firm against the wiles of the devil. And that we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. So it's very important to understand what the Bible says about Satan. What the Bible says about demons and demonic activity. Now I was reading one theologian's thoughts on the matter. And he said this. He said in war, missions involving espionage are frequently as crucial to winning a war as the actual battles. Without intelligence of the enemy's strength and position, the results of any military encounter would highly likely be tragic and would end in tragedy. So what do we do as the United States of America when we're dealing with people who we're going to go to war with? We watch them. right? We perform acts of espionage. And we spy on them to find out what are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? When do they typically move? How many personnel do they have? What is their strongholds? What are their weaknesses? All these kinds of things. Satan has a form of espionage and intelligence that he uses against us the same way that you should be using intelligence matters and counter efforts against Satan himself when he is going to operate in your life. So you need to do espionage yourself. And the only place that you can get the play the playbook of the devil is in the Bible. The only way that you're ever going to get to know Satan is you're not going to be able to sneak in on his camp. You're not going to be able to outmaneuver him. You've got the playbook of the devil in the Bible itself and you need to read it and to understand about what the devil does and how he interacts with mankind. You've got to do that in order to fend off the devil when he starts working in your life. And yet, sometimes believers show such a disinterest at a sermon like this and a disinterest in finding out what the Bible actually reveals about the devil. A very good character study for you would be to do one strictly on the devil himself. To find out who he is, what he does, what tactics that he uses in life, so that you can understand when it's the devil you're dealing with. Some people even fear such a study as this. 
They're afraid of it. Some people don't like to think about the devil. They don't like to think about Satan. Satan doesn't like a sermon like this to where he's in the forefront. Contrary to what you might believe, he does not like it when his name is mentioned. He likes to be unseen, unheard, and operate in the background. He doesn't want people to understand his tactics and methodology and his forms of espionage that he uses against humans. He, listen, he wants to kill you, Shelley. He doesn't want to just mess with you. He wants to destroy you, Rich. He doesn't just want to just interfere in your life and throw little wrenches here and there. No, his ultimate plan is to destroy you. You have to understand this. And if you're not careful, Satan will, by way of just incremental little strategies that he uses, will eventually lead you away from Christ and conquer you. He knows your weaknesses. He's exploited you many times. He's, he's, he's checked you out. He has looked in on you. He knows when you read your Bible, if you read your Bible, how often you do, how often you pray, how strong you are spiritually. Each person in here, if you was to, it's like the old video games of old. You know, you could pick a, a certain character in a video game and this certain character had a strength level about them. You know, and, and you're that way. So if I was to line everybody up on this stage and, 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 and all the way across the stage, each one of you would have a level that Satan could see of how strong you are. Some are very weak. Some hardly read their Bible. Some hardly pray. Some hardly care about spiritual matters. Some pay no attention to things going on. They're only worried about the, 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 the present day. They're only worried about what they're going to do in their life. Work tomorrow and blah de blah Nobody's concerned. These people are not concerned. And their strength level is way down here. And when Satan overcomes them with a big bunch of stuff, then they have a very hard time dealing with that. And then he'll see certain people with a, a high strength level. A lot of times he'll leave those folks alone or he'll attack them in a different way. He'll strategize against a person that's really strong to try to weaken them and then attack them again when they're most vulnerable. Listen, you have an enemy, and I don't understand why nobody wants to know who he is, who wants to kill you. Who wants to take your soul from you. Who wants to do everything he can do to send you to hell and to, and, to, and to cause you mass destruction in your family, mass destruction in your life and in your health, in your finances, in your spiritual well-being. A lot of people don't like talking about the, you know, it's scary, Pastor Jay. I don't like talking about demons and being possessed. Well, that happens with people. That happens with people. People get inundated with the devil. The devil has showed up in your family. I'm going to tell you, each one of you in here has dealt with demonic activity. You've probably been so ignorant of it, you never recognized it for what it was. Satan's not going to appear to you and he can do this and there are records of him doing this. When an unclean spirit comes into a person, a, a, a kind of demonic activity where someone is totally possessed by someone and, and, and they do look like the exorcist and do things like this and they have very powerful uh, capabilities about them. Some people, these diviners and palm readers and 
tarot card readers are filled with demons who can actually see and foretell the future. Who people are attracted to for mysticism's sake and they love to go to these people only to get influenced by demons themselves. That's a, that's a whole other sermon. But there is demonic activity like this. But I'm going to tell you how it typically shows up. We're going to walk through some of this stuff as Satan starts using his different tactics and methodologies against believers. But you see it in everyday life. If there's somebody, someone, some people, some going on who's in your life who's a constant aggravation to your spiritual well-being, I can tell you Satan's involved in that. They're not going to show up green and their head spinning and puking pea soup. They're going to be your nephew. They're going to be your niece. They're going to be your grandchild. They're going to be your child. They're going to be your spouse. And Satan is using them. And you need to understand this. Okay? It's very important. Understanding first that Satan twists God's truth. Satan twists God's truth. Satan is a masterful liar, as I said before. Jesus said whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature. For he is a liar and the father of all lies. John 8, 44. Satan is the father of all lies. All deception. All that comes from the devil. Every bit of it. So I can tell you every lie comes from Satan himself. Understand this about the devil. Understand that when he speaks, that's his nature. Satan's nature is deception. On every level. Satan's accusations, as I said before, were so persuasive that he convinced one third of all the angels to rebel against God. Revelations 12, 3 and 4. Satan wants to destroy human beings. Jesus said Satan was a murderer from the beginning. John 8, 44 again. And he comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, John 10 and 10. When people come under the influence of Satan, they regularly inflict self-harm. Listen to this. When Satan starts interfering with people, they regularly inflict self-harm. Mark 9.22 states that the demon has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy the boy. So Satan always, when Satan is messing with a person, and you can kind of jot this down, he's always interested in harming you in some way. In some way. This boy here, this possessed boy, had a demon inside of him, and when the demon was manifested, it tried to throw him in fire, throw him in water to kill the boy. You can be sure and understand that Satan understands that his time is limited. Satan knows the end is coming for him. And the ultimate thing for the devil is to take as many as God's creation who is made in his own image with him when he dies. 
understand that. Um, one of the first things, methodologies that Satan will use is persecution. In some cases, Satan will use persecution to even kill believers. In many Muslim countries, it's a capital crime to lead someone to Christ. And church history is filled with, with persecution of this kind. Uh, and I wrote down here, for instance, the Huguenots were members of the Protestant Reformed Church in the 16th and 17th century, and 200,000 of them were driven from France, and King Louis ordered them killed. 200,000 in the 16th and 17th century. Um, the St. Bartholomew's Day Massacre uh, resulted in 30,000 people killed. Christian people killed. So we need to prepare for persecution that would come from the devil. Who would want to kill a Christian? Someone who was under the influence of the devil himself. Remember, the three things which is his mission statement. To steal, to kill, and to destroy. Right now, I only hear of Christian churches getting getting police, uh, uh, getting pastors being arrested. I don't, I've not heard of any Muslim churches, Buddhist churches, anything else. But I see a lot of Christian churches whose pastors are being taken to jail. Is that any wonder to me? Absolutely not. Do I expect one here at this church one of these days? Absolutely. The more ungodly we become as a society, the more satanically influenced our society becomes. And let me tell you, it is. You can expect this stuff to take place. Probably one of the most primary reasons to, 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 to look at this is not only for your number one being your own spiritual well-being, but for how satanically influenced our society is becoming. You need to be ready for this. Because it's getting so bad, so terrible, so ugly, so evil in every way that eventually it's going to make its way around to persecuting the church. Because we are the arch enemy. We are the arch enemy. So it's very important to do this. Other than persecution, one of the main things that Satan, one of the main tactics that Satan uses is accusations, one, against God. Accusations against God. This would be more towards unbelievers probably then believers. Satan often bring accusations against God. If his victim is an unbeliever, he'll whisper in his ear, don't ever become a Christian. You will really ruin your life if you become a Christian. You'll lose all your friends. Why would you want to do something so terrible. Don't be a fool and give your life to Christ. You really want to be miserable, don't you? God, a, a sadistic God, God doesn't even exist. God doesn't care about your life, He whispers in their ear. Who would want to be like all these Christians? The very first thing, the very first thing, you know, the American public 
will forgive the American president. They'll forgive anybody else of any wrongdoing except for a pastor. Except for a pastor. It will always, forever, and as soon as a pastor messes up, it's front page news. Then it hits the unbelievers. You see, I told you, even though he had been doing this for all the, I told you he was a he was a piece of junk. When I, why would I ever want to go to church? All these pastors are, are thieves. They just want your money. You know who usually makes that kind of an accusation? A person whose God is their money. I have per- perfect examples of that in my life and my family. Typically, a person who makes that kind of an accusation is a money hoarder themselves. And that's the reason why when you fing- point your finger like that, you got three other pointing back at you. Boy, I can name one right now. and I'm not even going to tell you about my dad. Oh, wait, did I say that? Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Listen. Accusations like this with unbelievers to keep them from getting saved. To keep them from getting Christ in their hearts and lives. These kinds of things are the things that he will whisper into the ear. Satan also makes accusations against us. How do we know if a thought is coming from Satan or from God? How can we... How can we identify a fake currency if we hold it up to the light and the ghost image appears of the, of the, of the bill present? Similarly, if we hold something up to the light of Jesus Christ in biblical reference, we will be able to understand whose voice it is that's speaking to us. Are you able to identify the voice of God? Can you tell? When it's God speaking or not? That's an interesting thought. Does the thought you get dwell on your failures of your past? In Philippians 3.13 it says, Forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. There is one tactic of the devil hidden in the scripture that you've got to be able to read it to understand that that's a tactic of the devil without it using the devil's name does satan constantly make you dwell on the failures of your past that is a satanic tactic to keep you living in a mindset of failure instead of the mindset of victory and forgiveness and a refreshed renewed anointing And it's a tactic to take your joy from you. If you're always living in your past failures, you'll never enjoy your present successes. Your mindset will be totally taken from you and put into... You you can never go forward when you're always looking back. Does the thoughts you have concerning God make God seem sadistically restrictive in your life? In Genesis 3 and 1, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. Hmm. 
The thief comes only to still kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. John 10 and 10. Everybody that I've ever talked to typically talks about, well, I don't want to be a Christian. I don't want to give up my life. I don't want to give up having fun. I've had people tell me that. What, you don't think you can hunt and fish and laugh and go on a boat and go on a lake? Well, maybe God doesn't want you doing that while you're on heroin. Or drunk out of your mind. Right? But you, when you have God in your life, the abundance and, and presence of joy exists so, so much more vehemently, you, you enjoy all these things more than you ever could have without Him. You see. Does the thoughts that Satan gives you concerning God and, 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 and truth, does it, is it like a half-truth kind of a thing? Satan telling Adam and Eve, you'll be like God in Genesis chapter 3. This is a half-truth. They would be like God, but what a terrible cost it would come to Adam and Eve who would start to understand right from wrong, good and evil. You see, they never even had that. They were, they were just inherently walking with God. They never had that nature, you see. I don't even think our minds can, can, can grasp a hold of this. That when Adam and Eve was walking in the garden, I can't tell you their mindset. It was, it was innocent. It was total, absolute innocence. There was no evil thought in their minds. There was no evil anything in their heart. They were perfection. They were without spot and blemish in all ways. They were just perfect human beings in a state worthy of walking with God. In which state we are not worthy now because of them. Now we cannot enjoy that same kind of fellowship that they had. We can't even understand the fellowship that they had with God. When God would come down and walk with them in the cool of the day, that was normal to these two people, you see. To, for God to come down and to have a conversation and they were walking naked in the garden without sin, without blemish. They didn't think that it was improper. They didn't know that it was something wrong with that. They didn't start having these ideas and these lustful things. They just It was just absolute innocence and perfection. The way that God will make us again one day. We can't even understand their mindset. So it was a half-truth yeah, they'll be like God. They'll understand what's good and evil now, but now guess what? They're cast out of the garden and forever doomed to hell until Christ comes and takes away all sin. So Satan likes to throw a, a little nugget of truth in there, but the other side of that is total destruction for you. Does what Satan pushes you toward, is, is it pushing you towards God? Or does it push you away from God and away from other believers? Adam hid in the garden 
blaming Eve in Genesis chapter 3, verse 12. But it says in Hebrews 10.25, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. We're supposed to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. But yet Adam hid from the presence of God. Are you hiding from God about certain things? Satan will cause you to hide from God and hide things from God. But understand this, that God knows everything about you and me and everyone. Does Satan's involvement in your life, do you feel that you have the urge to serve? Or, do, or has Satan created in you a feeling of defeatism or fatalism? Do you feel constantly defeated? Do you feel like you question your salvation all the time? Do you feel like this? Do you feel like you ministering to other people is a failure and you shouldn't do that because you question it yourself? Do you really feel that other people really need to be saved? And, and can you speak to other people with truth and conviction about the absolute need for a person to be saved or they are not going to make it? Listen, if your whole heart isn't in this thing, then you won't speak with conviction and authority on the matter. You won't really believe what you're saying is what I'm trying to say. You ever met a person trying to tell you about something that didn't really believe what they were even saying? Perhaps one of these salespeople that used to come to your door and try to sell you this thing and you could tell they were extremely disinterested in what they were selling. They didn't really care if you bought the thing or not because they didn't care about this thing. If what you're trying to sell other people, if, what you're, if you're, what you're trying to give other people doesn't mean a darn thing to you, guess what? It won't mean nothing to them either. If you have no conviction about what you're talking about, if you have no, no, no real stern uh, conviction on it, they won't feel that either. Listen, Christ isn't a thought or a maybe in my life. He is everything to me. And He has to be that way to you. You've got to understand that your family members are going to burn in a devil's hell for eternity unless you get them saved. Who wants to be guilty of that? I don't want to be. And, said, and so in, in that mindset, in Galatians 6, 9, it says, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. The, the disciples knew that there would be a weary kind of aspect of this, that people would, would start to get a little downhearted when they went and they're on fire for God and we got a message for you and we're going to tell you all about it and then the people don't receive it. And then people start to get weary in well-doing. Well, I don't see a reward coming right away. I don't see things happening. God works in His own time frame. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. 
Paul knew this. You're not doing things in vain. Stop thinking that you are because you're not. You are sowing seed that God has guaranteed will start to come to life. 2 Corinthians 4.1 Since we have this ministry, as we receive mercy, we do not lose heart. Be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains. You too be patient. Strengthen your hearts for the coming of the Lord is near, James 5, 7, and 8. A lot of times Satan will whisper in your ear that you should quit serving Christ. You're not getting anywhere. Boy, have I heard that one before in my life. After... 30 years basically of pastoring God's church, you often look at the ebb and flow and the ups and downs of the numbers and you look and if you're not careful, you'll get caught up in the statistics of church and not the spirituality of the church. The only thing that I can do is produce a message that's God-given, that's inspired by God, that come down from the throne and teach you the work of the ministry. That's all I can do and then God takes it from there. If I was to get worried about the numbers and see how few of people come, this is just the way it is. It is a sign of people's hearts. It's a sign of people's hearts. I bet you that if I put a text out and I said there's going to be a $100 bill given to every single person that comes to church next Sunday, I bet you we'd triple our numbers. Amen? People come for treats. They don't come for Christ. Satan will try to make you feel inadequate for following Christ altogether. He'll cause you to look over the course of your life. He'll he'll cause you to look at your present situation. As I've told you before, never allow your situation to dictate your faith and how you see Christ. Keep all this world separate from your relationship with Jesus Christ. Because Satan will try to use your situation against you. My gosh, have I never seen the, 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 the body of Christ attacked so much. Even in this little church. Multiple people showing up with cancer. People dying. People showing up with all kinds of problems and heartaches in their grandchildren and their children and their and all these these things going on. I I mean I can't even there's probably 25 different things going on in our little body of believers right here. Satan is attacking us in a way that I've never seen before in all my life, trying to create discouragement. If I had a word to to, to describe it, it's discouragement. And you can't become weary and well-doing as the Scripture said that I read. You cannot let this discouragement of this present world dictate your salvation and the coming glory of Jesus Christ. Because I'm just like the Apostle Paul. I am persuaded. I believe. I know in whom I have trusted and placed my heart and my soul and my things. And I believe that He's able to keep it for me until that day arrives. Does the thought that Satan gives you convince you that you're not so unique that God's Word doesn't apply to you? That you're exempt? Paul says this, For I am confident of this very thing, that who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1 and 6. 
It is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Philippians 2.13 It is God who's at work in you. It's very important that you understand this. This isn't the book of Rich, the book of Shelley, the book of Jessica. It's, it's not that. You are not the commander of your own heart. It is God who's at work in you and God does not fail. God does not fail. It is God... It's His will that you should be sanctified. And it's God's will in Himself to sanctify you entirely. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23. And I'm going to stop right there because this has already been 36 minutes of me preaching. can't believe that. So I want to tell you, these are just a few of the tactics of the devil. Lying, manipulation, mind games. As a, as a sermon that I once preached said, the mind is the playground of the devil.